Today on the show, be kind, rewind, and learn a little bit about humanity. Welcome to Lore Party, a podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes behind our favorite video games. I'm Michael. I'm Wade. We're going to be talking about Immortality, which is a pretty unique game. Uh, started off as a bit of a mystery game and very quickly became something else. And one thing I want to mention real quick is just uh, this is uh, the latest uh, venture from Sam Barlow, um, a very esteemed name in the industry. Uh, creator of the Game Award winning Her Story and also Telling Lies. Um, so this is the latest adventure from him and I believe Half Mermaid Studios. Oh yes, it is definitely a production. More so than pretty much any other game made aside from maybe some of the FMV games of the early 90s. So yes, we're going to touch a little bit on the game's unique structure genre. This game is weird in a lot of very unique ways. Uh, but first, we're going to take care of a little bit of housekeeping, as always. Uh, if you ever want to get in touch with us, uh, email us at podcast at loreparty.com. Uh, check us out on social media, Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok now, Twitch, uh, YouTube, uh, lore underscore party. Uh, and check out the new loreparty.com for more information on all of the Lore Party podcast uh, shows that we make. And now that's out of the way, we're going to take a quick ad break and then jump into our deep dive on immortality. All right, and welcome back. So immortality. Now, I think it's important before we get into the nitty gritty of the actual plot of the game that we sort of set the stage now. We mentioned previously that this is another Sam Barlow game in the same style as his previous games, uh, Her Story and Telling Lies. Uh, I'm just curious, because of that, what were some of your expectations going into Immortality, or what were some of your previous experience with those games? So I have this really interesting experience with Sam Barlow's previous projects, Her Story and Telling Lies, in the sense that I have never played them. Oh, really? So this was actually my my first Sam Barlow joint, um, but I've heard so much about everything he's done. As I mentioned earlier, I believe I'm 99% sure um, her story at least won a game award or two from the Keeleys. Um, so these are very esteemed things that I've always been curious about, but never enough to justify dropping the change on. Mm -hmm. um, admittedly, I like my games to be a lot more gamey than movie e. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but because Immortality is on Xbox Game Pass, um, I know it's on Game Pass PC. I think it's also on Game Pass console, and it's on Netflix on mobile devices. Oh yeah, that's weird. I forgot they did that. The new Valiant Hearts is coming to Netflix exclusively. So oh, that's freaking weird. Um, yes, it's it's strange. But we're talking about Immortality. But um, so because the barrier of entry to Immortality specifically was so low. I was and I because I had been hearing so many amazing things about immortality. I was like, you know what? Let's give this a shot. And I was not disappointed at all. Yeah, and you were uh, telling me a little bit about uh, immortality because we were sort of mm -hmm. developing what we were going to do on the mm -hmm. podcast, and you were very adamant about like, let's talk about immortality. And I was like, what's immortality? Yes. <laughs> because the the title is fairly generic. But the the title ends up being a pretty major theme in the game. Burying the lead a little bit there. It's a mystery game that takes place over the course of three feature-length films mm -hmm. that they went and actually filmed with an entire ensemble cast of actors. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, you're not required to watch all three films in their entirety. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, you can probably roll credits on this thing in... A shorter runtime than it would be watching all three of those movies, right? Um, but just the fact that you know they had 
scripts for all three that they they shot all three like real movies but mm -hmm. also that the fact that this is for a game that there's this overarching thing and it's not just the movies there's also behind the scenes right right um, there's like the the table reads there's the casting um the audition tapes mm -hmm. um so much film like like it is real and authentic film production mm -hmm. and it only highlighted the talent of the actors absolutely um, to not only play a character but to play a character who was playing a character in three different films mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah it's it's an amazingly ambitious production a big project it's almost miraculous that the game works as well as it does because it's not just three films it's three films over the course of multiple decades uh, you start in the late 60s, and the game ends around, uh, I think, I believe it's 1999. Yes. Um, it's a 60s film. It, yeah, 60s film, like late 70s film, mid-90s film, I believe, is the specific eras that Sam Barlow said he wanted to hit. Yeah, and all three films have not necessarily just the tropes of the decades, but a lot of the sort of texture mm -hmm. and feel of the films is very exact. You have mm -hmm. like the 60s like the film, 60s film is, kind is kind of low budget, low budget kind of grimy, kind of looking. grimy looking. And clearly made at like the peak of satanic panic. Right, and, right. You know. Yeah, a lot of like pearl clutching culture shock of the era. Yes. Which is ironic for reasons we'll get into later. Yeah, and you have like the 70s film, which has like a detective grimy film to it. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm like kind of grungy. Yeah, it's like this is the '70s. We can we have we have ratings now, and yeah, it's like it's the '70s. All the major studios have collapsed, and we can do whatever we want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like the '90s film has like a super clean, almost like a home video look to yeah. it. Yeah, it's very very corny. Very mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of like super sleazy and everything as well. And the major conceit of the game, or at least on the surface, is that there's this actress in all three films, uh, Marissa. Marissa Marcel. Uh, mm -hmm. And none of these films have actually been released. And now that she's gone missing, and you're sort of tasked with trying to mm -hmm. find out what happened to her. Very dubious circumstances surrounding all three films. I believe it's like the negatives were stolen of the first one. Mm -hmm. The second one was just outright canceled. Mm -hmm. And the third one, you know, no one, they're just the mysterious, there are very mysterious circumstances right. surrounding everything this actress is involved with yeah and you have all these clips that you have to go through and search for matching objects in different clips to find other clips to mm -hmm. piece together what happened it, to what happened to this actress even just from a gameplay perspective it's pretty ambitious considering it's like though there's an apple you click on the apple and it automatically takes you to another scene with an apple right and that's how you kind of start discovering clips and piecing them together and you can mm -hmm. decide if you want to see them um chronologically or just like film by film right. um you can kind of decide how you want to organize them in order to kind of piece together the order of events in which things happen mm -hmm. and maybe shed some light on um characters and what they're up to and why things happen the way they do but as you'll explain yeah and quickly pretty quickly or at least for me it was pretty quickly oh it was I only think, about... uh, let's uh preface this real quick full spoilers just in case yes uh if you have a passing interest yeah. in this game mystery yeah. games anything like that there is no way to explain what happens yeah. in this game I, without going into spoilers even the title yeah. of this podcast might be a bit of a spoiler i feel like we've done a good job of like selling the game for what it is in a spoiler free context but literally in the next three sentences we are about to say we are going to ruin the entire experience so if you have not played immortality if you have a passing interest in mortality i i'm gonna speak for the both of us and say pause this mm-hmm Play the play immortality. It's not that long. You can beat it in one or two sittings. Right. Come back. You're probably gonna be confused. Mm -hmm. We got you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, and like newcomers are gonna get confused 
even I'm not entirely sure about everything. It's very interpretive. Exactly. Yeah. It's very interpretive. But that's what I love about it is that you you kind of take what you want from it. Yeah, exactly. So you've been forewarned about spoilers from here on out. But pretty early in the game, when you're scrubbing through all these video clips, for me, I had to accidentally do a rewind because I missed a piece of dialogue. <laughs> yeah. And there are hidden clips featuring these beings that you don't know who they are. And these sequences are mostly shot in monochrome, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just gray, black, and white, and featuring primarily two actors, a man and a woman. There is an occasional third and even fourth actor who shows up once in a while, but they start to explain things that are going on, not necessarily going on behind the scenes of the film, but behind the scenes of who these people are that you're watching and what you're trying to uncover. Because you very quickly uh, realize that this is not a missing person mystery. There is more like psychological, Mm -hmm. more interpretive things going on. Uh, Yeah, it is not spelled out for you at all. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And I don't know which clip it was for you where you uh, first uncovered this, but for me... It was a clip from the 90s mm. film, uh, I believe it's called Two is Enough, uh, in which oh, Marissa yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, is singing Happy Birthday uh, in the same style that Marilyn Monroe sung Happy Birthday uh, to JFK back in the 60s. And suddenly this other woman appeared also singing Happy Birthday in a Marilyn Monroe costume. Yeah, it's a ghost. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like that. I I, I want to like like my experience with it. I don't remember exactly what clip it was, mm-hmm. but it was just like, oh, I've been clicking on a lot of these, and yeah. you know, let's find something new. And then I was, I was scrolling through a. Cl- I forget which one it was, but then mm-hmm. I was like, oh, man, that was interesting, but I missed it. Let me go back real quick, and then you see this black and white <laughs> face show up. Yeah, and it was for me. It was like um. The scene of like Joaquin Phoenix and signs watching the alien oh, yeah. show up on the TV. I was like, oh, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is that? Yeah. Because uh, I had no clue. Yeah, that, that's actually a great comparison. The way the way they introduce like the real part of the game just through like organic like oh I'm interested let's see what's going on here mm-hmm. oh f- oh god <laughs> <laughs> you know it's so cool it it's is. so clever but it freaked me the hell out yeah me too and the way I first started playing this game was earlier in that day me and my girlfriend just finished watching Glass Onion oh yeah which you know this is like you know fun lighthearted mystery and mm. I was like. Oh, I got this mystery game too. And, you know, we have to find this missing actress. <laughs> and oh, no. as soon as that clip popped up, I yes. was like, ah, like it, it yeah. shook me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, I don't believe in ghosts or anything, but it shook me to my core. I was like, no one told me this was a scary game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it like really affected me on like an existential level, like. It was a feeling I've been searching for in a movie and a game for a long time. Just like that pit in your stomach. Just like, what the? F-? Like something that just like shakes your perception of reality. Um, and that was that was like, oh, I was like, this is the feeling I've been looking for. It makes me feel alive. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned Walking Phoenix and Signs. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was uh, yeah. almost like being on LimeWire in like the early 2000s, and <laughs> you download this movie expecting it to be Harry Potter or like the latest Lord of the Rings. Uh, not that I ever illegally downloaded any movies, but it was kind of like that, and it turns out, oh, it's this virus or it's this other thing. You know, Somehow I've been like hoodwinked or lied to. Well, it, it, it also gives me heavy vibes of like you're on this weird side of YouTube at 3 a.m., and you're just in this weird headspace and you see something that just creeps you the hell out. And suddenly, like, your entire night just feels like you're in a haunted house mm-hmm. and you just feel something is off. Right. And that was the vibe I immediately felt. It was like 8 p.m. and I was already like, oh, God. <laughs> I was like already in that like heightened, like existential, like haunted house kind of feeling. So cool. And it's funny because I have played uh, her story. I didn't play Telling Lies. Mm -hmm. Um, On the surface, Immortality and those games are very similar because you have this database of video clips they have Mm. to go through, find more clips and piece things together. So I thought it was just going to be like that, but on a bigger scale. 
And so the way that I played her story was that I had a notebook next to me <laughs> and I would just piece together yeah. little bits of dialogue and things like that that I thought were going to be important, character names and whatnot. And very quickly, <laughs> I'm looking at my notes right now. <laughs> yeah. It was like, okay. Yeah, you're sending me like pictures of your notes as you're going on. I'm like, pretty. Like, it was before you saw the figures, too. And I was like, oh, he got, he has mm-hmm. no idea. Like, you're about to just rip <laughs> those out, throw them out. Oh, that wasn't even, <laughs> that wasn't even the, the, Basically, yeah. the real thing to pay attention to. Yeah. And I did, you know, break down some of that dialogue yeah. and whatnot from these hidden clips but but one thing i want to touch on real quick though is that like even though the real part of immortality is the stuff underneath the surface of the films Mm -hmm. the films themselves still have messages and themes pertaining to the story that these two primordial beings are telling not chronologically ordered through these films and i guess to more formally introduce these characters uh, the female of the two is called the one, and the male is called the other one. Although I don't think we're ever explicitly told her name is the one. I think I think the reason they call um, the one the one is because she refers to the other guy as the other one. Oh, <laughs> it's like well, if that's the other one, then I get. If that's the other one, then I guess you're just the one. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, but I don't believe they're. I don't believe uh, the one is ever officially referred to as the one at any point. That was kind of just like a part of what's interesting about this game and why the interpretive aspects of it are so interesting is because a lot of the story, uh, or at least like certain concepts, were just kind of like put together by fans of the game who just kind of came up with colloquial terms to call certain things. Mm -hmm. Um. So I, I think that's a super neat aspect of this game where it's kind of like it lends itself to yeah. that kind of from software and like <laughs> figure things out for yourself and piece them together and consult other people and what they think kind of aspect. The social aspect of gaming. Right. Exactly. Of an environmental storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for the one or at least the way that I pieced it together was that the one is introduced it's in a way mm-hmm. that kicks off the story is that the one was basically sleeping through world war one and wakes up during world war two well let's dial it back way more these okay. presu- these are beings who have presumably lived through all of earth's creation because they even make mm-hmm. reference to like jesus and judas um so presumably oh wow yes <laughs> so they have been around for a long long time presumably um, and have even like been witness to biblical events, and yeah, I didn't get any of that. <laughs> I maybe they were just being metaphorical, but from my understanding, is that like the implication of what I for, if if it was the one or the other one, mm-hmm. where they do like directly reference like Jesus. Um, Interesting, so. but it's safe to assume that. At the very least, they've been around for over a hundred years, <laughs> if not a thousand or two thousand. Yeah, and at least how these beings enter into Marissa Marcel's story. This starts in World War One, in World War Two, with Marissa's being possessed during World War Two by the One, and so these beings seem to have the power to possess other people and take them over. I think it's assumed that's how they live immortally is that they just inhabit people's bodies. And in this case, uh, she mentions that she was wandering around in France during wartime and she sees like a wounded girl in the French countryside and takes pity on her for some odd reason, considering she's normally been apathetic towards humanity. But she felt something, some semblance of pity towards humanity and decided that like, I'm, you're still going to die in the process of me taking over your body, but I guess this is just the one's version of mercy, I guess. Yeah, and it's established that of these two characters, the one especially seems to have this obsession with humanity, art, and the way that humanity can express itself through art. Yeah. the the Yeah. The one is definitely the one of the pair that's like, Human beings interest me. Their habits 
are confusing and I want to understand them. And the other one is kind of the one who's like, no, 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 no. Just leave, leave them to their foolish ways. You know, we're basically gods among them. Let's just, you know, chill and observe. Yeah, they definitely have that dueling uh, perspective going on where one wants to understand and express. The other wants to either conquer or just be a passive observer. They're they have a very interesting relationship where they're clearly very intimately tied to one another, but they're also antagonists to each other's ideals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so once the one possesses Marissa, uh, the one seems to want to really get into film. That's the medium of art that she really seems to want to go with. And it it doesn't go well, primarily because of all the shitty men that she comes across during her career. Yeah, well, that's the thing. For, from the very jump, um, you know, if you watch her audition tape for the first film, uh, yeah, M Ambrosio, um, she is very much like it. Almost does feel like when you watch it in hindsight, it almost does feel like someone who just learned to walk in it, or like someone yeah. who just began occupying a mech, <laughs> you, you know? It's like, hello, or like an alien, I guess. It's like, hello, right. people. <laughs> <laughs> she has this awkward kind of like, but there is confidence there because the one, you know, is immortal. So it's like, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah, and so this is like the first time that she has to have that sort of actorly empathy because she did used to appear in commercials before. There's that um, soap commercial. But yeah, that audition tape, it does have that kind of off feeling. And it's not helped by the fact that the director of that film, Arthur Fisher, is kind of a perv. Like, from the very jump, she's like, oh, this is the, the, the expression of humanity through film interests me. I'm going to audition and see what happens. And like, from the very jump, you know, I think it's very well demonstrated through the lens, literal lens of an audition tape, because it does feel like you are this leering eye kind of objectifying this person, and you immediately just get this energy of like exploitation of Marissa Marcel. Yeah, and there's even like a lot of off-camera dialogue from both the directors yeah. of the films that she works in as well as other crew members, but all men. Yes. Because it's all like objectifying both her and the other yes. actresses that are in these films, you know, talking about their bodies, you know, talking about how, you know, they should have sex with them. Yeah. It's like a lot of really gross shit. And not to sound overly minimalist about real-world issues, but I don't think it's any accident that the actor who they cast as Arthur Fisher looks a lot like Harvey Weinstein. Well, yeah, and and the thing, like, I listened to um, uh, an episode of the No Clip podcast with Sam Barlow, and he said a lot of this game was directly influenced by, um, you know, study of film and seeing the history of women who were exploited in the film industry and the taking advantage of their passion, eagerness, and also innocence um, of like, you know, I want to be a movie star. This is my first time doing it. You know, oh, this is so fun. There's even a scene where Marissa, or the one as Marissa, like flashes the producers, you know, it's like, oh, look how silly this is. It's like she almost doesn't realize that this is super exploitive and gross and nasty in a way. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like, because this is all fun and new and it's like, Oh, awesome. And it's like you in hindsight. No, it's like, this is not good, <laughs> you know, or it could be that she's just trying to fit into the filmmaking culture. I don't want to like oversimplify. There's a lot of like very complex and complicated emotions and feelings and situations at play that I feel like are an accurate representation of, you know, real human emotions and, you know, what someone might feel in a situation like this. Well, and then just, it also highlights the unfortunate realities that sometimes in order to succeed, especially in that era, you had to kind of like be into doing some not cool things to exploit and objectify yourself. 
Yeah, and I think this sort of highlights the ultimate tragedy of what the one and Marissa, by extension, want to accomplish because we as passive players and observers of this story know how screwed Hollywood is. We know the exploitation and not necessarily you want to save the one from what's happening, but it just highlights the tragedy of it. Well, there's also... There's also the kind of thing that happens behind the scenes of Ambrosio with the director of photography, mm-hmm. um, who is the director, right? Yeah. I forget. Because th- that was like, that was the whole trace. He's like, oh, you should make movies instead of just, you know, working on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they already kind of have this. Well, and here's the other thing is also like, if you watch like the behind the scenes of like a very intimate sex scene behind the scenes of Ambrosio yeah. is that it's also like isn't the director possessed by the other one yeah i believe so yes because it parallels them their bodies with when you rewind it it, Mm -hmm. you know it it swaps their bodies with the one and the other one right implying that that's actually the other one yeah and that could lead into a larger discussion about free will and because these two beings can possess other bodies was this whole thing just a farce of well that was kind of almost like a question i had like when i was playing the game is like how much of this is them and how much of this is marissa mars like their original bodies you know because they do retain the memories right. of the person the host they inhabit mm-hmm. and so it is almost does almost raise the question of just like are they being changed because of their Mm -hmm. consumed experiences (laughs) you know right yeah especially during the second film the 70s film minsky uh there is at the very end one of the clips has the one kill one of the other actors with a gun that was kind of what i wanted Mm -hmm. to lead to yeah and it becomes this sort of thing of why did that guy have to die yeah, and then, like, the people who don't, obviously, like, everyone else in that room doesn't know what's going on, really. They just see, like, oh, my God, this freak set accident. Right. You know, whatever. When in reality, it was fully intentional. Yeah, that scene was very uncomfortable for me to watch because of all the recent stuff that happened with Alec Baldwin recently on the set of Rust. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I know the timing of when the game came out and everything doesn't support this, but it almost felt like if this was intentionally done, it was almost exploitative. Considering how long these things get to make, I'm pretty sure it was probably meant more to echo uh, Brandon Lee and the Crow. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Not to laugh about it, but... Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was very uncomfortable. And then the actors play it out as they are... You know, very confused, not sure what just happened. Yeah, especially if you don't know the full story and you see all the behind the scenes footage and you see, oh, these two actors have a lot of really good chemistry together. And, you know, um, and, and then that happens and it's just like, oh, that's so sad. And then you learn that, oh, that was that's why <laughs> that. Yeah, that whole scene felt like the one and the other one almost like playing with humanity or toying with humanity in a way that almost felt like against the initial intent of what they wanted to do, which is like passively observe and understand, become artists. I I almost see it as like, it was the one actively trying to participate in human society and the other one kind of like manipulating things to try to get her like out of it in a way. Of like being being there with her and antagonizing her to the point where she snapped and killed him, um, you know. I almost feel like that was meant to be like you're never gonna be able to be a normal person if you do this mm-hmm. kind of thing. If that makes sense, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Because we learn because chronologically, the actress Marissa Marcel goes super dark after this film, right? Yeah. Um, so I almost. I almost think that like the other one wanted her wanted the one to do that as a way of being like I want you to be ostracized um from humanity so I'm going to force your hand to do something that will ostracize you or that 
any reasonable person would kind of go dark after this. Yeah, and so he tries to one-up over just being a passive observer, and it's almost like a show of power and force. We are these higher beings. You know, we can do whatever we want. And also, I don't know if they know it at the time, but gunshots can't kill them. Right, yeah. But I don't think the I don't think the one knew that. Well, I did come across a clip of the one talking about how the only thing that can kill them or, you know, one of these other kind of higher beings is fire. But uh, how do we know that when when that was? Yeah, know? I don't remember exactly where that clip ended up being in the timeline. Because those clips are essentially her talking to us, the player. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, because in a way that we are, I guess if you want to get super meta, is that like the player is like the one in the sense that we hmm. inhabit bodies yeah. when we play games. Yeah, maybe. Um, but um, <laughs> but like she's talking to us personally. Like that's the whole point is that it is supposed to be like a fourth wall break mm-hmm. and that she is telling us this. So I almost interpret it as like, None of these clips necessarily take place in the same chronological order of the films, if that makes sense. Because you can find them non-linearly. So I always see it as like, I could be totally wrong about this, but I perceived it as maybe like they exist outside of time as well. And so like, or at least in this, in this space where they are communicating with us. So like, just because this this clip in the 90s film yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that they're talking to us chronologically after they would in the 60s film. Hmm, that's interesting. I don't know. I, I could be totally off base. <laughs> it's been a while since I've played. I'm, I might be 100% off base there. I mean, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, these beings are sort of eternal. They can do whatever they want. Yeah, but but like... I say that because I feel like when she pulls the trigger and quote unquote kills the other one, she truly believes that he is dead. Yeah, yeah, that is true. So maybe at the time she did not know that only fire can kill Hmm. her and the other one. Yeah, maybe. That's the only reason why I think that way. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a good theory. This game really goes a lot into theorizing. It's almost like a David Lynch film. Oh, yeah. Because there's like a lot of games out there that do uh, sort of take a lot of inspiration from his films, mostly just to impeach. Yeah. And um, this is so this is definitely more on the psychological side of Twin Peaks, exactly though, not the aesthetic side yeah because like a lot of, like I said a lot of games take inspiration from his work uh, you know you got your Alan wakes your deadly premonitions yeah <laughs> And this is not like like those games where it's just like quirky characters, you know, trying to solve a mystery, eating cherry pie. This is more like David Bowie, like they turn his character into like a tree. Some other character is like a tea kettle and you're trying to get some sort of uh, meaning out of it. Uh, But we are going to touch a little bit on those themes of fire and some other uh, themes in uh, Immortality. Uh, We're going to take a quick ad break, and we'll be right back. All right, and welcome back. Now, like I mentioned before the break, we're not going to jump into fire, at least immediately. Um, But one thing we want to touch on right now is that later in the game, or at least for the clips that I found, the one starts to, no pun intended, but start to bleed a little bit more into reality. Yes, through the nosebleeds. Or just not not even nosebleeds, just bleeding in general. Yeah, you know, blood, almost like a weird metaphor throughout their game. I'm not sure, quite sure what the meaning of it is right now. Uh, I don't know if it's that deep, unless mm. you think it is. Uh, I think that because it is so common that it's it's not like a mistake. Marissa has many different nosebleeds. Well, there's the scene in the bar. Yeah, well, I think that's just meant to represent like this body is failing. Yeah, it it makes me wonder that these beings, like, regardless of how far they are, they start to decay. One of my first notes that I made when playing through the game was that Marissa was ageless. Yes. Mm Because I jumped from, like, a clip from the 60s film to the 90s clip, and she looks exactly the same. Yes. Yeah, I think that's that's almost, that's kind of, like, what I think is subtly the thing that makes you go hold on here you know like 
okay, sure, this actress is missing, whatever. But when you see for yourself, oh, wait, she looks almost identical to when she did in the 60s and the 90s. Mm -hmm. There's something that's kind of your first clue of like, yeah, <laughs> okay, there's something deeper here. What's going on? Exactly. I don't know if they'll answer it. Let's keep <laughs> diving in and see what happens. And boy, they answer it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, right away, it made me wonder mm -hmm. about like what's actually going on in these bodies. You know, because yeah. Marissa is not my first aging. Point of confusing this is, is strange. When you jump from like one movie you know, to what, the next. What is going on? The these <laughs> these people are occupying these other decade. humans, and their their bodies are not decaying but they eventually fall apart or there's just some kind of like decay going on or like almost like if I were to describe it once again to like piloting a mech, you know, it's like system failure, you know, abort, <laughs> abort, <laughs> you know, but it, that's the thing that's interesting though. One, one thing I kind of just thought of was like mm -hmm. the other one inhabits different people over the course of this game story. Right. Um, right. Whereas the one solely occupies Marissa Marcel. Hmm, yeah. And I feel like it's because she grew an attachment to this person through the mm -hmm. messed up things that they kind of go through together. It's like, yeah. she almost takes offense on certain things on Marissa's behalf. Yeah, there's a little bit of camaraderie there. Yeah, with the exploitation, exactly. It's, it's almost like those two characters do become one at some point. Like she, the one kind of shares the rage that she feels Marissa Marcel would feel. Yeah, and that's what the one almost ends up learning by the end of the game. Yeah. Is that regardless of, you know, who she occupies, that specifically men are going to exploit them, especially when she possesses women. Yeah. Yeah, and so it becomes almost like a lost cause by the end of the, the of the third film. Mhm. Mm both it's both that Marissa is getting these nosebleeds and things are happening to mm -hmm. her body, but there's one clip that I came across where Marissa, you know, it's just a simple door opening scene and she just <laughs> yeah. completely zones out. And the crew is like, yeah, do, you know, do we keep on filming or like what do we do now? You okay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and there's some behind-the-scenes clips of that film where you see that the one is being more violent towards some of the other actors on that film. There's one uh, clip of a rehearsal of a fight scene with a gun. Mm -hmm. And Marissa, or the one as Marissa, or however you want to describe it, uh, almost goes too far with it where the mm. rage becomes real and other crew members are having to pull uh, yeah, 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 everyone yeah. apart. And mm -hmm, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the, the crew being like, what was that? Yeah. That scene's almost like the one realizing that the other one was like, correct. Yeah. That, that humanity is cruel mm -hmm. and you don't want to be with them. You don't want to be during with them. that scene. The one, almost ends her idea of being an observer and an artist. And this turns more towards like a revenge fantasy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that was, I, yeah, I, that was a scene I triggered very early. The scene where the other one inhabiting another actress's body covers the one as Marissa Marcel in gasoline and then lights her on fire, thus truly killing her. Um, but it's, filmed well the thing that immediately set me off that like kind of like triggered my like what the hell is going on is the fact that it looked like it was filmed with like modern cameras yeah in modern day mm -hmm. like it was super hd it didn't look like it was had the 90s filter on mm -hmm. and so immediately i'm just like oh this feels yeah, th this yeah. feels like this feels naughty. This feels forbidden. I don't like something's on here that I shouldn't be seeing. And then you see that, and like, it's another, it's yet another like Joaquin Phoenix and science moment where you go like, oh, oh god! If you don't know the context, especially like I did, because I, I triggered this clip pretty early when I was still not fully cognizant of the the subplot. I just thought I witnessed like self immolation on camera. You know, it was just like. Okay, because that was already kind of my tip off to some of the more overarching themes about like maybe like feminine rage or like just the almost like 
I don't know, just resentment towards the entertainment industry and its treatment of women. Um, that was kind of already my tip off is like, I just got that vibe of almost like it was protest in a way, but also, also just like at first I was deeply uncomfortable because I had no context for what was happening. And I just watched a very realistic depiction of someone burning alive and, I was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, and that clip, like, it starts like every other clip where it starts, like, with a slate, but instead of it being a film title, uh, what's on the slate is just Marissa Marcel. Yeah. It's very, oh, it's so creepy. Yeah. Oh, God. And just, like, aesthetically, too, the, the sequence is just, like, a giant, wide, flat shot. Like, no one speaks. There's no preamble. Uh, just one character takes a thing of gasoline and lights Marissa on fire. It feels like a, a cult ritual almost. And there's like a lot of talk, you know, around of like, we need to burn unjust systems down. And this whole scene kind of feels like symbolically kind of like how Hollywood is just a big corrupt system and lighting Marissa lighting her being lit on fire is a symbol of, burning down this Hollywood system that does exploit all these young women. At least that's how I interpreted this scene. Since Marissa chronologically dies in the scene prior to the fire scene, she dies in the scene with the bar where she just starts to spontaneously just like bleed so much out of her head for no real reason. Yeah. That's kind of the moment where I think, yeah, it was like, Obs like an obscene amount of blood yep. coming from her forehead and that and then the chronologically the scene immediately following that is the self-immolation scene so i almost what i interpreted almost at the time of like all right it's over let's just go out in a literal blaze of glory and like because I, I i was reading and it's like mm -hmm. this was her way of immortalizing herself right on, or just truly immortalizing herself by dying on screen mm -hmm. you know yeah like that's true immortality because no one's gonna stop talking about that if they see it right you know <laughs> it's almost like marissa dies twice you know in the scene the bar scene you know she physically dies marissa dies and it you know it looks like every other shot in the game it's it's the final scene for the film, technically. Like, that was filmed for it. So one scene is, like, the physical death of Marissa, and the other scene is more of, like, a spiritual death. Well, I, I, I was also reading that it's almost like she does that to almost mimic when she kills the other one on screen. Oh, yeah. And because that was a very impactful moment that, like, they talk about in talk shows mm -hmm. and whatever... It's like, oh, he died on camera. Right. You know, he's immortalized in film because mm -hmm. no one's going to ever not talk about that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so it's, I almost think that's like she realizes like true immortality is, you know, death on camera. Or just like a, a death that makes like a big statement or something like that. Or just in general, that immortality is achieved through mm -hmm. not just film, but conversation and memory. Um, and may perhaps the easiest way of achieving that is through film. Um, it's public consciousness. Public consciousness is true immortality. Um, and I don't know. It's, it's very morbid either way. It is. Yeah. Cause I, I don't necessarily think Sam Barlow is saying this is a, this is cool. No. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? Goodness, like, no. I don't necessarily think he. I, I don't necessarily think he's saying like immortality through film itself is necessarily a goal to be achieved or mm -hmm. something that you should pursue in life. Right. Like many people maybe feel it should be kind of reinforcing, you know, the mm -hmm. like, hey, go to Hollywood. I'm going to be a big movie star. Oh, this sucks kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I almost do feel like maybe one of the core messages is like, don't seek immortality through film <laughs> <laughs> or you know what the thing could just be just don't just don't <laughs> or just or, well yeah I, I mean that's a recurring theme in most media is like immortality is 
nine times out of ten not worth it in every story you see. Yeah, that's what I think that symbolizes the end with a fire is that this is what's going to happen to you if you try. Yes. Reduced to ashes. You know, it's like immortality, but, you know, literally a pile of ashes. Also, I think that, like, if the one really wanted to, like, express herself through art and film... She was just a complete failure. <laughs> so, like, since these films, like, technically, no one has ever seen these films. They are lost films. Yeah. And so the only thing that she ends up being immortalized by is the mystery well, of what happened to Marissa Marcel. And perhaps that was by design by the end of just, like, maybe the mystery. Like I said, like I said, it's like public consciousness is almost the true immortality that is actually achievable by mortals, you know, is being remembered or talked about um, for decades, if not centuries. If these are immortal beings, they're going to, I mean, they're around forever. They're not going to, I mean, they might just be bored, but like no one's going to remember them because they are siphoned off into their own little universe. Yeah. Or they literally inhabit other people. Um, they kind of live in the shadows. Um, but this is like, I guess, like I said, it's imprinting yourself on the public mind share. Yeah. And so last little bit here before we wrap up, cause I saw some poking around of there being like a quote unquote true ending. But for me, at least the ending that I got was after Marissa gets set on fire by the other one. Um, you back out of the clips and the user interface that you're using to view these clips, the interface just falls apart and then the one's face gets revealed. This is the true ending, I believe. You suddenly can no longer control and click on things and piece by piece they start turning into new clips. And you're like, what the hell's going on? And then they form a giant face of the one yeah and she says I'm not, i don't remember the exact phrasing but something along the lines of like i am you now i am part of you now yeah and it's like a surprisingly like silly ending to an otherwise very serious game it was like just a, a totally bizarre decision i don't necessarily think it's yeah i didn't i didn't particularly find it effective um especially because i triggered it on accident way earlier than i should have and so I just kind of watched that and I went, okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know, anyway, back to the mystery, yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm not like sure what I was supposed to like take or get from this ending. Yeah. Like I had seen, I was, I was like, oh, this is the lady from the, the ghost. Like she's the ghost lady. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, well, I was a, I was a big dumb dumb and didn't understand the rewinding mechanic to its fullest with like the oh, frame by frame rewind and how the frame by frame rewind is what triggers the lore dumps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I I had seen her, but I didn't know exactly what was going on in the story. Uh-huh. And so that happened and I was like, oh, interesting. And so for me, the true <laughs> game of immortality was just uncovering the mystery of what the hell that scene was all about. Oh, geez, that's an insane way to have gone across that. Yeah, but I mean, that's what I mean. That's that's the blessing and the curse of nonlinear storytelling is yeah. that you get every person is going to experience it differently. And I almost think that's the beauty of immortality is that like sure. everyone has their own different reasons for wanting to uncover this mystery. Mm-hmm. Mine were probably just different than most people's confusion um but but it still was effective for me nonetheless because it encouraged me to go seek out everything go clip by clip by clip one more time and like really dig in and like what the hell is going on here (laughs) but i'm sure sam barlow knew it was possible that someone like me would show up right yeah like if they really wanted to block you they would have put up roadblocks exactly exactly I also want to give, uh, who's the, I need to look up uh, both actresses' names, um, because I I want to give a very big shout out to Menel Gage and uh, the one, um, I forget. Uh, that is Charlotta Molin? Uh, yes. 
uh, both of them acted their asses off. Um, and from what I was gathering from like interviews with Men on Gage, this was her first like major role in anything. Yeah, I saw that too. And, and so for her to have this be her like kind of debut performance, and she's playing not just like three different characters, but she's playing one character essentially cosplaying as a character playing three different characters. Yeah, it's wild. Um there there was like one interview I was watching where she was literally literally counting on her hands how many characters she was technically playing. And it's just like God, and then um, and then Charlotta Molin, just like the absolute courage it takes to act your ass off in some of those scenes where a large major a large portion of the scenes she is in, she is, you know, full nudity. Yeah, or wearing you know. that like super thin like toga yeah. almost thing. Cause it's meant to be like she is this like primordial being and it's kind of reflected in her wardrobe or lack thereof because it's meant to be this kind of primal thing. Everything aside, I just wanted to give my hats off my hats off to both of those incredible actors. And obviously everyone else involved in this project and uh, Sam Barlow for somehow big braining this whole thing into one cohesive thing that makes sense, but also doesn't. And, you know, it's <laughs> it's just an incredible work of art that I think more people need to experience. Yeah, it is. If anything, it is ambitious. Yes. Yes. Because yeah, like I know I was keeping my girlfriend updated about my progress throughout the game and she kept on asking me, it's like, are you having fun? And it's like, I don't know, but mm. I'm, I'm at least very invested and interested in what's going on. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There were, there, Sam Barlow recently tweeted something. It was about like some kind of like AI, AI reconstruction of games using other games as a template and immortality was listed in like the list of games that like, yeah, they're going to like use an AI to study or whatever. Yeah. I saw that and tweet. Sam Barlow, Sam Barlow tweeted something. that was just like, of all the themes that you can take away from immortality, I guarantee you, this is not one of them <laughs> <laughs> using AI to generate, you know, whatever is like, I guarantee you, uh, that is not an endorsement made by immortality. Yeah. So, like of all the things you could take from this game, it's so he, he knows that like, there's a lot to digest and everyone can kind of take something on a personal level from it. And to me, it was kind of that mm -hmm. rage against humanity that the one feels about like yeah. based on her experiences as Marissa Marcel, that was kind of my major takeaway and why it kind of, stuck with me and made me kind of think about like obviously we know about the terrible things that happen in show business um especially now but it, it does kind of like impart on you that feel that similar feeling of rage and i think that about wraps it up uh once again connect with us on social media uh twitter twitch tiktok instagram technically we have a facebook page <laughs> all at lore underscore party uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please review us on Apple Podcasts as well as rate us on Spotify. Uh, it really helps us grow the show so that others can listen. Uh, check us out at loreparty.com for all of the other Lore Party media shows that we make. And thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you again next time.